Hello and welcome to Sporty Scape, a podcast made by Queen students for Queen students and all things sport on campus and in the wider sports arena. My name is Tiana Kelly, I'm a second year PPE student and I also play for the Queen's Ladies Football Team. Today's show is our last show before Christmas and it is an exciting one. We are still recording from home due to current restrictions, but we still got a great show ahead. First up, Mark McKillen interviews Northern Ireland football, Dal Fordyce, who now plays football in Canada. And Lauren McCann, Mark and I review sport in 2020, going through each month with what sport slash very little sport that we did have to watch. I'll hand over to Mark as he interviews Daryl. So Daryl, welcome to the show. You're our second stateside guest. We've had Paddy Burns. He was joining us from Indiana. So you're joining us from north of the border. How's things in Canada at the minute? Freezing. <laughs> is that the way it always is? <laughs> I well, it's not too bad actually. It's usually about minus twenty-five at the minute, but yeah. or at this time of the year, but out there now it's about. Yesterday it was two degrees and it felt like a spring day. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's all good, yeah. In terms of your football, then in Canada, how's it been? You're now at for our listeners. You're at Val, is it Valor FC in the Canadian Premier League? Yes, I'm with Valor. That's in Winnipeg, which is like right bang in the middle of the country yeah. uh, been there all this year but obviously this year has been a write-off for everyone um, we managed to get a little tournament uh, on the east side of the country we went to prince edward island and all the teams stayed in a hotel uh, we weren't allowed to go out unless we were going training or playing a game uh, but we managed to get some games this year but it was like a little pre-season tournament uh, nothing much really was there any fans at these matches now the last couple of games, um, they allowed fans to come in, um, but because it's, it's it's on an island and there was no teams from that island, the closest team was Halifax. So a couple of their fans, like a couple of hundred of their fans, came down for the last few games. Mm-hmm. For those of our listeners who maybe don't know your story, can you just give us a bit of background on you and how you started your career in Northern Ireland and how you've got to where you are today? But all right. Uh, I started playing, the first team I played for was a team called St Andrews. Um, uh, Joe Kincaid run the, run the team and we produced players like Stephen Davis, Chris Brunt, you know, Jim Irvin, Albert Watson, There's teams all, like so many players came through um, St Andrews. I think the last Euros, maybe half the starting 11 came through St Andrews Boys Club. Um, so I started there and after that, uh, well, I used to go over to Glasgow Rangers when I was 10 years of age. Uh, and I would go over with Stephen Davis and Chris Brunt, the three of us would go over back and forward. And then we had younger boys that would go over, the likes of Robert Garrett, Michael Carvel, Trevor Carson, uh, Chrissy Casement. Um, but I started there, and then once I hit 16, I never signed for Rangers. I ended up signing for Portsmouth. Uh, so Portsmouth just made the Premier League at the time, and um, I went over for a trial and, and really liked it. Uh, so I was at Portsmouth for four years. Uh, I had a, a month loan at Bournemouth one time, which was pretty good. Uh, then once I finished there, I was 20. So I came back to Belfast, signed for Glen Torden under Alan McDonald. Um, Alan McDonald was my under-21s assistant manager at the time. And 
And like for me growing up, I was a Linfield supporter, you know, so for set the sign for Glen Thorne, <laughs> it was a bit tough. Cross um, the divide. <laughs> yeah. But again, uh, I had a great time at Glen Thorne, four years. Uh, we won the league, won the League Cup, uh, won the County Antrim Shield a couple of times, you know, so it was a successful time. And then I ended up moving across the uh, back to where I was from and signed for Linfield. Um, so that, that created a little bit of a stir. <laughs> And then I was there for a year and a half at Linfield and moved to, moved to Canada along with Albert Watson. And, and then I was at Edmonton for four and a half years. I signed for Cincinnati. Um, went down to America for half a season and then ended up going back to Edmonton. Uh, played there for the rest of that 2017. And then I ended up, 2018, I never played at all. Um, my wife fell pregnant. Uh, the team that I was with, the whole league just folded. The North American Soccer League folded. Mm-hmm. So my wife fell pregnant. She had a condition in her legs that she couldn't fly. You know, so she, we couldn't fly across the Atlantic back to sign for someone. Um, but then 2019, we came home, I signed for Slagger Rovers. And then after last year, I came back to Canada and signed for Valor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned Albert. You mentioned Albert Watson. I'm a Lawrence supporter now, so I'm, I'm well aware of what he can do in a pitch now. So, how did you and him? What made you decide to go to Canada, or how did it come about? Well, it was a uh, I playing with Albert. Me and him signed for Linfield at the same time, and I always knew that Albert wanted to move. It was emigrate to America, you know, just from chatting in the change room, and I'd already been to England and. I came back again and obviously we were playing for Linfield and Linfield, the best team in the country by a mile at that stage. And uh, like We won the, won the double in our first year. Um, but it was after the first year, uh, I got married in 2012. Make sure I get this right before my wife hits me a clipper in the air. <laughs> um, 2012, and it was actually the day after the wedding. We were in Gran Canaria. We got married and all the guests went home. And my wife turns around to me and says, can you play football somewhere else? I'm like, what do you mean? Do you know, like Linfield? I've grew up supporting Linfield. I love it here. Um, had a bought an apartment in Belfast. We were living there. And she just she says, no, I mean, like at the other side of the world. Now, anyone knows my wife. Geography is not a, a strong point. Like, she doesn't understand the difference between a city and a country. Uh, she doesn't understand the difference between a river and a lake. You know, she's just in the fashion and that's it. But uh, I'm, I'm like, all right, I'll look into it. So, you know, I've done a little bit of research. And I actually, I grew up, or grew up, I played and lived with Osmir Begovic oh. <laughs> um, in Portsmouth. And he grew up, he's from Bosnia, but he grew up in Edmonton. Yeah, so yeah he's, he, got, like, he's yeah. got that kind of accent a bit, doesn't he? Yeah. I, so he, he, there was a war going on in Bosnia, and he ended up going as a refugee to Germany and then moving on to Canada. Because um, Canada is very good for bringing in immigrants and refugees and stuff like that uh, and he grew up in Edmonton so he had a few contacts and managed to get you know get me sorted out with a trial and I, I said to Albert look I'm, I'm gonna go to Canada here and he was like well I want to go too <laughs> so the, the two of us ended up getting across and we got in touch with the manager um, and it was full-time football you know at Linfield it wasn't full-time football we were I was working as a lifeguard in the Olympia Leisure Centre during the day and then training at night. Albert was coaching uh, around schools for the IFA 
during the day and he was playing at night. You know, so the manager liked us and thankfully, you know, we spoke to David Jeffrey and, and he he spoke to the board and we managed to get it through. And, you know, anybody that knows David Jeffrey, he's just a wonderful human being. Mm. He, he just, he's all the best for, for people's lives. Um, and that was it. <laughs> we, we went across and, and got lucky. Mm-hmm. We'd say wherever you've been, all the faces that David Jeffrey still coach that stands out, definitely. Oh, he's one of the best. You know, I remember I wasn't I wasn't starting a few games. I came off the bench, scored a few goals, and and I spoke to Robert Garrett and I says, "Look, I'm going to go in and speak to the manager here. You know, I'm not happy." And he says, "Look, you'll go in and you'll come out feeling like you're the best player in the world." He, he just has that ability. And I remember knocking on his door. You know, I'm like, I can get in. I'm going to give him. My mouthful, you know, obviously I, I grew up in Sandy Road along with Albert grew up there as well. We're, we're not shy to say what we feel. <laughs> and I put it to Davy, and I remember coming out of the change or, or coming out of his office thinking, wow, what happened there? You know, and I came out feeling like I was a millionaire, felt like I was the best player in the world. And Davy just had that ability to get the best out of players. Mm-hmm. And, I, and you mentioned um, the players and like Asmir Begovic, you've come across some Star names actually had it on Twitter with you one day with the France match that you played in when you were younger, and uh, you talked to us a bit about some of those names. I was, you know, that, that France game. It was you thought you were a good player until you came <laughs> up against those guys. Mm-hmm. That that was the first. Like we had half our team were in England or Scotland at professional clubs, and you know I was with a Premier League club and a couple of other boys too, and and then we came against France and. Uh, like Kenny Shields was our, our manager and I think it was the first time the under 17s got to the actual finals of the Euros and we had France, Spain, Turkey in our group and the other group were I think it was England, Belgium, Portugal and uh, whoever the other team was but I remember coming all of us after the game like Ben Arfa was we couldn't get the ball off him and we were we were a good team you know and um, and just couldn't get the ball off him. And Nazri and then Benzema comes off the bench. It was, you just couldn't get the ball off these guys. And that, and that was the first realisation where you think you're a good player. And then you're like, hold on a minute. Maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. There's like levels to this. <laughs> you realize <that> there's... <laughs> yeah, definitely levels. Yeah, and in Canada, there's some, like obviously some players go stateside. Like it's, it's changing now. It's more. It's not. People used to call it a retirement league, like Beckham. But you face it, Raul. Were they at New York? Marcus Senna. You played against them, they? Oh, like I remember playing against New York Cosmos and Marcus Senna. Obviously, won the World Cup and uh, played for Villarreal. And they got to the. They should have got to the Champions League final yeah. one year when the Kelmer played for them. Yeah. You know, when he was thirty-five, and the, before the game away in, in the Cosmos in New York, our manager says to me. You know, I would have been more of an attacking type midfielder uh, or, or play as a striker, you know. But he says to me, look, I want you to do a job on Marco Senna. You know, he's a holy midfielder. He's 35. He hasn't got the legs no more. And just do a job on him. Take him out of the game. So I came in at half time. The first thing the manager says was, Daryl, are you all right? Like, carrying an injury? He says, Gaffer, I just have to admit it. I can't get near the guy. He's too good. He's too, like, his brain was just on another level. Um, and I explained to him, I says, look, if I do this, then he's doing this. And then the centre-back's coming out with the ball. I says, like, what do you want me to do? He says, we didn't have a, 
we actually didn't have a, an answer to it. The answer was, look, let's just sit back like Jose Mourinho would do mm-hmm. and then try and counterattack them. Mm-hmm. And then obviously we, we, went to, uh, we went and played them at home. Um, and Raul played, sorry, away game. The next away game, Raul played. And obviously Albert would have had to do a job on Raul. And I just remember boys just, you know, firing the ball into him. Like, no care in the world of, of Raul. You know, when you pass a ball to people, it's like, give him a nice pass. And the Cosmos boys were just firing the ball into him. And didn't matter what way it was coming to him. He was just killing it. Uh, you know, he, he was able to turn with his first touch, whether it was in the air or in the ground. And, and I just remember after the game, me and Albert just laughing at each other. Like, you know, it was a few, a few years ago, we were... You know, a way to uh, maybe a way to Armagh or someone yeah. in the cup and next minute you're doing a job on Raul and I have to do a job on Marcus Senna <laughs> and what's it like in terms of the away trips because you might think going to Baal de Mal is a tough away trip but some of these North American trips are a bit like you're talking a thousand miles or more are we or? oh it was mad like, <laughs> sometimes we had to fly to Puerto Rico you know, so you're, we're flying from the northwest of North America down to the, away down past Florida. You actually had to stop off in Florida. Um, so it was three flights to Puerto Rico, which is in the, in the Caribbean. Three flights to get there. So you're leaving. You know, I remember leaving, leaving my house at three o'clock in the morning to go to the airport. Uh, and then you're flying all day and you're getting there at 11 o'clock at night. And then you're, you're training the next day. I mean, you play the game on a Saturday. Then the next day, you're, you maybe have to fly to San Francisco. So you're flying across America again to play San Francisco. And then on the Wednesday, you've got a game in North Carolina. So you're flying all the way back to across the America again. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's all day trips. It's like, oh, we'll have to drive to Baltimore two and a half hours. <laughs> that, that was easy. Yeah. You know, two and a half hours, we were just like on our first flight going flat maybe flying to Toronto or flying to uh, Houston or somewhere to get off you know one flight was four hours that was the first flight yeah Did it, it take its toll on you mentally and physically does it all that or you had to get used to it yeah uh, you had to get used to it and thankfully we're, we're in we were in the time of iPhones and iPads and you, know, mm-hmm. you can download Netflix and stuff mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine it if you had to read a book all the time yeah <laughs> Just saying that another move you have is to Sligo. So how, how did you end up back in Ireland, the League of Ireland, in between, sandwiched in between Canadian spells? Maybe? Well, um, the, obviously me and my wife just had a baby and we always wanted to go home see family at some point. And the Canadian Premier League was just starting up, but it wasn't, wasn't actually started. And, you know, I spoke with my old club, Edmonton, and see if things could be done. And, you know, it, it could have been done, but the manager just didn't make it happen. Uh, so I says to my wife, let's go. We're flying home. She was on maternity. Uh, and the good thing about Canada and why a lot of people move to Canada is just the government just look after, after the people so well. And so even during this COVID, uh, they just, the government just started giving people money. Just to, you know, if you lost your job, you get two grand a month. That's the base. And then they'll help you out some other way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whenever you're on maternity you can uh, take 12 months get paid I think it's like half your salary for 12 months or for 35% for 18 months it's totally up to you what you want to take yeah. so she was on maternity 
and she took the 18 month and he says, let's go home. We'll sign for someone. So obviously um, I went up, we went home to spend Christmas. We didn't know if we were going to come back to Canada, sign for a team in Canada or stay, you know, in Northern Ireland. Like Sligo wasn't even on the radar. Yeah. Uh, I was training with Limfield, training with Lauren um, just to keep fit and maybe something would have happened there. But again, the, the teams couldn't do anything until January. Uh, and then they, they were just hemming and handing. Obviously, budget comes into a lot of things. Um, there was a possibility we're coming back to Canada. And then the agent just called me and says, what about Sligo? Um, so I jumped in my dad's car, drove down to Sligo, three and a half hours. Uh, left at, I think it was six in the morning. Drove down six in the morning. Uh, was meant to train with them, but it was snowing. So the pits was frozen. We couldn't train. So the, first, the training session was a run in the... We went to a forest and done a run in the forest. Um, that was my first training session. And then it says, can you... There's a game tomorrow. You know, I was staying in the hotel that night anyway. So I played, we went to Athlone, played a game and jumped on the bus and all the players were buzzing, saying, oh, what a player you are. And I, had a, I actually had a good game. And... The, the manager was, he was off the bus. We were on the bus and he was on his phone and they're like, oh, they're speaking to your agent. And I'm like, yeah, dead on. So he goes off his phone and my phone rings right away and it's my agent. He's like, look, he wants to get the deal done. Let's get it done. And all the players on the bus, they're all actually cheering and stuff. <laughs> I, I've never seen it happen before where, because what happens is if there's a player coming in, players are like, oh, no, he's going to take my position and all this. But there was none of that at Sligo with, with the players. And, and we got it done. and. Uh, I went home that I drove, got the bus back to Sligo, drove home that night. And I says to my wife, like, Do you want to go to Sligo and live? They're going to give us a house. We like, don't have to pay for the house and all this. And this is what they're going to give me. And it's, you know, it's good. It's a League of Ireland. I've always wanted to play in the League of Ireland. And that's where it came about. Um, and that's just the life of a footballer in this day and age. It's, are you going to play in Canada? Are you going to play for Linfield or Lorne? Or, Crusaders and then Sligo comes up and it's like okay and then I, I signed for Sligo and a month or a week later I get a call from one of my old agents from Canada he's like look there's a couple of teams here that want to sign you um you know here's the salaries they're going to give you let's get it done I says I've just signed for Sligo <laughs> and that's just the way it happens yeah so you're settled, you're 33 now, right? So you're are you in Canada for the long term, you think, now, like life-wise as well? That's that's me in Canada for, for life-wise anyway. It's, um, <laughs> obviously, I want to go into coaching. I've done my UFA license. I started that back in, at the start of 2018 and done that over two years and got it done. Um, so I'll, I want to go into coaching uh, once I finish playing. Um, I, I do want to play until I'm 40, but... Mm if an opportunity comes up where there's a coaching job, I'll probably, if I can coach and play, I'll do that. But if it means it's full-time coaching job, um, cause to be a coach now, if you're a head coach or you're an assistant coach, like there's so much work to do. Um, and my assistant coach at Sligo Rovers, he played and coached as well. And like uh, some days he couldn't even, you know, he wouldn't even make himself available for games. He was that tired. Mm-hmm. Um, but if something like that came up, I would certainly, you know, look at it and possibly just hang the boots up. Because mm-hmm. I, I know Nigel Best uh, at the IFA, 
he says you get your coaching badges, but the hard thing is that they actually get the job. Yeah. Because a lot of teams want people who's been been there and done it and are successful. They know what they're getting. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I, I want to play until I'm 40. If not, then if there's a coaching job comes up, I'll certainly take that. And mm-hmm. during the tournament, I got a few injuries there. So when you get to my age, unless you're Albert, obviously he's a machine. <laughs> yeah, he's doing he'll better play, than ever. <laughs> like with Albert, you'll play through a broken neck. And you're, not, you're not even know that he's hurt. But <laughs> no, yeah, it's just, he's got that warrior mentality. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to say anything about Albert. You just see it. Yeah. So you've got a word, maybe you've got a World Cup in Canada. That's something to keep you going, maybe. So you're not going to, maybe you'll be involved in the Canadian setup. I don't know. <laughs> That'll be a dream. Yeah, yeah that, that's insane. It's going to be here in five years. Um, and you look at the players, Canada's producing now with Alfonso Davies coming out of the country. He, he actually grew up in Edmonton. He's at Bayern Munich now. You have Scott Arfield. He's at uh, Rangers. You have Jonathan David. Um one of the French teams, you know, you, there's good players coming through there. Yeah. So I think that's we've, that's us for now and on Daryl for Dyson Canada. So thanks very much for coming to the show and we wish you the best for the, your seat career ahead and hopefully get back playing soon. Yeah, thank you. And I wish you guys all the best. Hope you have a, have a good Christmas <laughs> and make the most of it what it is. <laughs> and my message to your, your listeners is, you know, it's a big world to go out and explore it. All right, cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, well, I am now joined with Lauren and Mark. We are now going to uh, try and discuss uh, 2020 year review of sport. Um, there was some things that did happen, to be fair. Um, let's start off with January. Um, what happened in January? well that was when everything was quite normal I don't know if people remember that far back it just seems alien now but we had the the Dakar rally which is held in Saudi Arabia for the first time ever Mm -hmm. and the Spaniard Carlos Sainz won his third title um, a third different make of car and he was the first Honda driver to win it since um, 1989 so it was quite a big win for them yeah I am I, I only actually know the Dakar race, uh, rally recently because I've been watching The Crown and I don't know if anyone's been watching The Crown, <laughs> but basically um, Margaret Thatcher's son um, raced in the Dakar rally years and years ago and, and he got lost in the middle of the Sahara Desert. But um, <laughs> it's, it's interesting that it was, it's actually still going and although it was in Saudi Arabia this year. But anyway. Yeah, it's, it's Dakar Senate, so it's Senegal. I think so like, so that's where it, Mane and also they're from Moon not Dakar but the country <laughs> yeah exactly and then obviously then in January as well we have the Australian Tennis Open um, which went into February so we still had like some big events that did happen at the start of the year so like the Australian Tennis Open is obviously huge and Djokovic won um, standard Djokovic winning mm-hmm. um, Although he didn't really get a good name over lockdown, with no. you know, I think he got coronavirus in the end as well. Yeah. Um, think, yeah. Sorry, it's one of those players, Novak Djokovic. He's like, I, don't, I usually mainly watch Wimbledon. He's so good that he's almost frustrating to watch. You'd rather someone else won, but you have to also appreciate his brilliance as well. <laughs> yeah. I also heard for like the Australian Open this year, like the players have to come and basically like they're all staying in like a, a bubble pretty much for like 
three or four weeks, depending on how long the, well, I, I assume it would be four weeks for a tennis open, but just getting the, um, you know, the open up and running. And whenever they come over to Australia, they all have to isolate for two weeks initially as well, which is crazy because I thought, you know, elite stars are exempt and stuff. Mm-hmm. You wonder if they are going to go to it obviously later in the year yeah yeah, that's that's exactly what I thought as well you know if it's you know it's it's going to be like a four at least four weeks you're going to be in Australia and for two of them you're going to have to isolate and you will you even get to train to play tennis I don't know like it's it's, um crazy anyway anyway that was January what happened in February (laughs) 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 um so like I know Exactly, like at the very first of February, that was the start of the Six Nations, <laughs> which yeah. is weird. <laughs> elongate, elongate the Six Nations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the longest Six Nations ever. Um, but yeah, so I know, I actually do, like, it feels so long ago. Like, I have, like, faint memories of watching the, set, the Six Nations in February and, like, my halls flat <laughs> with, like, you know, with actual friends there watching it, you know? like, in person. What a, what a distant memory. <laughs> but yeah, what else happened in February? There was, well, there was also, oh, yeah, go on ahead. No, the, I think we're both on the same page with the, the boxing with uh, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder this second. The first fight was pretty amazing in 2018 when Tyson Fury got up from that punch, but he got his revenge this time. Yeah, this was like the fight of the year. You know, if you watch it back, Fury just absolutely annihilates Wilder. Mm. I'm so su- I'm surprised he lost it until the seventh round when they had yeah. to throw the tall in. He was quite annoyed when they threw when his team threw the tall in, but Fury just hit him some great punches, especially in the third round and the fifth when he knocked him down. And he's rumored to want to rematch, but would you really want to rematch <laughs> after? Maybe, yeah. maybe to prove that was a one-off, but it was such a fight, you know, it really lived up to the villain. Yeah. yeah. I, think I think I'd rather see Fury take on Joshua or somebody else rather mm. than Wilder again. I think it's a wasted sort of fight. Yeah, I think he only Wilder's only clinging on to the fact that it's written in a contract that they'd have a third one. I think that's the only reason it would go ahead. But yeah, I think Fury is bigger fish to fry with Anthony <laughs> Joshua. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And like Fury is now he's been nominated for like BBC Sports Personality as well. So I mean he's had a, a pretty good year, especially that fight in February, which is huge. So, uh, moving on from February onto uh, March now, obviously. <laughs> this, this is when things start to... <laughs> <laughs> this is when, yeah, things start to um, get cancelled and stuff. I mean, what really did happen in March? I don't really know if anything particular. Like, I know the Australian Grand Prix became one of the, you know, the first events to be cancelled and followed by, you know, pretty much everything else. I mean, football, yeah. I guess, for you guys was definitely a big thing to be cancelled. Yeah, it went on to the 5th. I think actually it was Lauren Glenavon, I believe it was actually the last match on like the 5th of March or something. And the Premier League went on to the St. Patrick's Day, I think, maybe. Yeah, I yeah. think. Yeah. No, my yeah. last memory before was Liverpool getting knocked out of the Champions League by Atletico Madrid. And I remember yeah. there was loads of... <laughs> People were like, they shouldn't have let fans in. And obviously after the number of cases rose in Liverpool after that game, but it was such a bad yeah. way to end. For Cliftonville, we, I think we beat Glen Thorne um, at the Oval in our last game, which was quite quite mm. a good way to end. <laughs> but, 
it just everything just went in quick succession you know you had schools oh, yeah. closing you had restaurants closing and then you had all these big sporting events and just went one by one the Premier League you know it came out there was rumours the Arsenal Man City game was going to be called off um, Arteta had apparently tested positive and then you know a day later the whole thing just shut down and there was yeah just nothing you had no idea or England when it was going to come back it was yeah. just mad that the whole world would just shut down but I think I think that's <laughs> the crazy thing about it is whenever it started to happen in March you know we all did think it would just be a couple of weeks and then we'd get our football back <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it just it just it rolled into then April and May where can you know April May literally nothing happened either you know um, similar similar thing as March and things were cancelled and many sports stars and stuff were like you know training at home like I I, I never watched this morning until lockdown and <laughs> you know, the, this morning is whenever you got you know you got to see you know professional stars coming in on zoom and showing you like mm-hmm. what you know it looked like training at home you know as an elite mm-hmm. you know professional um, yeah sports I remember star. loads of um clubs on the youtube channels and stuff they yeah. just had Thursday meetings and all the sessions <laughs> yeah. just so people it, could kind of feel involved so yeah. Yeah. fans could kind of see what goes on and it kind of I don't, it's obviously not like a good thing, um, but there's more behind the scenes kind of stuff to the clubs were eager to show the day-to-day life of the football, which was really interesting. I thought obviously at the expense of actually going to a match, which isn't mm-hmm. ideal, but it was, it was really interesting just to see how creative clubs got during lockdown, the, like, the fans yeah. sort of feel quite involved. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, Zoom obviously became a huge <laughs> thing for everyone over lockdown. I mean, <laughs> we're still using it, which is, is is crazy. I mean, I'm sure Zoom have raked in some money this this year, but um, yeah, I I guess like the thing about Zoom is like it wasn't just you know players, you know teams and clubs coming together and doing training and workouts together, but also you know there was you know so many lockdown quizzes and all the rest of it that took took place. I mean. Um, and like loads of other things happened. I mean, Joe Wicks as well. Like he became such a, a big star during lockdown. Everyone was, you know, trying to do a, a Joe Wicks workout. Even mm. kids got involved with you know, not PE. Easy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, not easy. No, no, no. My mom had me trying to do them. She was like getting the TV on. Like, and I was thinking this will be easy. Then it wasn't really. <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> it's, it's really not. I think I think nearly everyone must have tried at least one Joe Wicks <laughs> yeah, workout. Yeah. Over, I remember over um, lockdown hearing an interview with him and just him saying how he was going to do you know a few week and then it just became such a phenomenon phenomenon he just had to say to his wife I have to do this every day you know and it did keep kids active which was really good yeah Yeah, which it was it was great I mean um keeping kids active which was brilliant and I mean obviously then in May and April as well like Marcus Rashford you know he was also doing more you know charitable stuff as well I think I think that was sort of the thing about lockdown in sport is you actually saw, you know, people actually, you know, a different side to a lot of, you know, sports stars and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Rashford, you know, was huge in, you know, getting school meals and stuff out to, to kids. Um, but, yeah, like, just yeah, so, much, I think, so much. I think it's really underappreciated how much footballers do. And I think it wasn't really a light wasn't really shed on it until it came to as you said the lockdown um you know the obviously Jordan Henderson and loads of the captains in the Premier League were key to launching the players together campaign you know they raised money for the NHS to keep yeah. it going and there was just so many different campaigns you know 
footballers do get paid a lot but a lot of that goes back into their communities and places they grew up and I think that really showed that was one of the good things to come out of lockdown I sort of yeah definitely I definitely think so and um, the government were putting footballs under a bit of criticism at a while, saying they need to, you know, they do their bet. They're these celebrities, but I think because they had stuff going on in the background that all came out eventually, just because it wasn't immediate, they were getting a bit of fight. Yeah, it yeah. was definitely undeserved. <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely. I think, did Rashford, um, I'm not sure if this is actually true, but did he get something in the, the Queen's New Year's Honours for his right, uh, title? He got an MBE, I think he did, yeah. Yeah. And he's was... and he's, he's, nominated, he's nominated for Sports Personality of the Year too, I think. Yeah, yeah I think he's getting a special reward for that, just for his contribution, because it's been so great. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. And then for some then sport that kind of happened in uh, April, May, we were, <laughs> we're joking, you know, the Belarusian Football League was the only league that didn't stop the whole year. <laughs> I don't know how they did that. <laughs> Yeah, like I do remember hearing stories of, you know, some people trying to get into, you know, Belarusian football because they were missing football so well, much. My, yeah. my Twitter yeah. timeline was just full of people commentating on the Belarusian league. <laughs> Never it's heard so, before. Yeah. It's so crazy. And then of course, like we had the, the virtual grand national as well that happened over lockdown, which was um an interesting spin on what normally happens. Yeah, for sure. I think I actually remember I remember no you said I think I did watch that. I remember like I remember people mm. betting on it and everything. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> people did actually bet on the virtual grand national, which is crazy. But anyway, so moving on from March, April, and May, which we can sort of maybe blend into one month. <laughs> um, June then sort of, that's sort of when like some of the big events that we knew and loved got really got cancelled. So the Euros has been postponed now to 2021, which was obviously a huge um, tournament that's going to be moved. And then Wimbledon was also cancelled, which is huge i don't know if like wimbledon's ever been cancelled yeah, i don't but... think it ever has been no. and the euros as well i was no. still i'm still meant to be going <laughs> say that lightly <laughs> in yeah. um but yeah just we were really looking forward to going in the hope ireland northern ireland we're going to see one of them against sweden and then obviously those hopes have been dashed but just the hope that they were going to get there and it was in dublin you know going down to the aviva for yeah, a euros game like just I've never been to a major tournament before, yeah. but mm. hopefully next year. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully next year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hopefully, like, did you have tickets and stuff for Hollywood? Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we do. My daddy got us for Christmas. It was an amazing Christmas present. Um, <laughs> for one of the, yeah, one of the group games. So we're mm. hoping to get to that next year. Yeah, hopefully yeah. the tickets get rolled over because um, I know, like my my mom and my brother actually got tickets for Wim- the Wimbledon um mm. event and they they've been told them tickets will roll over to next year so I think that's sort of a lot, a lot of tournaments have had to do you know is um roll over their tickets um but yeah it was such a huge crazy thing but I suppose it was sort of expected whenever the pre- Premier League stopped and a lot of leagues stopped I mean if they were hoping to get the yeah. Premier League finished you know Euros was just an impossible task yeah. to, and you to wonder, squeeze yeah. in 
Yeah, especially the format of the Euros this year. It was meant to be held yeah. in 12 different cities. Like, the just isn't, <laughs> yeah. feasible, isn't feasible yeah. in the current climate. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I was a bit sceptical of that before this, but definitely now it's with COVID. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. I remember talking to um, my flatmate about the Euros and about this idea of, you know, having the Euros around Europe. And he's, he just said, it's a great idea, just not in a COVID world. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe, maybe four years ago, it might have been a great tournament idea but um yeah so and then towards the end of june middle of june the premier league then did did return we had some more football and then liverpool won the league <laughs> lauren <laughs> oh wow just what a day it was man city chelsea and i, I told my brother before the game I, I told him i do fancy chelsea in this and he was like no no and then i came back from work mm. and i'd seen you know city were winning and then chelsea came back into it and then the penalty and just just the scenes after and then seeing the <laughs> seeing the you know my dad obviously had seen the last title win 30 over 30 oh, yeah. years ago you know yeah. so yeah. It yeah. was such a long wait for him. Obviously, for us as well, we've never seen a league. It was, yeah. it was crazy, and just yeah. the scenes after from the Liverpool hotel. You know, they were all together watching the game and just seeing them. And then eventually, when we did lift the trophy, you know, we've been promised a trophy parade. I'm gonna be in Liverpool. <laughs> 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 it's ten, 10 years down the line 20 years down the line I don't care I'm going to Liverpool for a trophy parade <laughs> yeah, it's, one of, it's one of them things like mythical things that will ever, Liverpool ever win the league and it's finally happened like. I know the one year I mean, it does yeah. <laughs> um, like, I mean as much as I am a huge United fan I mean it was it was deserved by Liverpool and I mean Jurgen Klopp is just He's just some some man, isn't he? Really, you know, yeah. he's 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 just a you know an incredible coach to watch and and what he did for Liverpool. I think last season, even the season before, when you guys won Champions League too, you know, it's a, an impressive side you guys have. Um, but yeah, anyway, moving on from swiftly, <laughs> moving on swiftly, if I can. From um, my for my sake. <laughs> um, into July, so again, like things are starting to um get there's less restrictions and stuff. Um, I know then some of the Formula One races start to come back, and Hamilton he won the the Styrian and the Hungarian Grand Prix. Um, but there's still obviously then the biggest event of this year then got cancelled which was the Tokyo Olympics um well I shouldn't say cancelled postponed the next year um I mean that was a probably huge um I think I think 2020 summer in sport could have been incredible when we think yeah, about all these yeah. events that were postponed uh-huh. but I guess 2021 is just going to be an even more exciting summer whether like fans and stuff will be allowed in hopefully you know that will be the case but um you do really yeah. feel for just some some of those athletes, maybe it's your first Olympics, you know, training so hard and confirmation didn't come late until, you know, like July, what's going to happen with it. And it was, oh, it must be heartbreaking. Obviously, yeah. next yeah. year, but yeah. it must have been hard to lift yourself to start training again for another year. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Like, yeah, because it just seems so weird to me, like having an Olympics and like an off Olympic year, you know, in 2021 yeah. and especially with the Euros as well. Uh, yeah. 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 It's it's a weird it's a weird concept. But as well as like I think as far as I know then the twenty twenty four Olympics will still go ahead in twenty twenty four. So yeah. like 
you'll have a three-year turnaround yeah. for the next Olympics. You Which know, might, yeah. might be better, you know, you don't have to wait as long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. that's true, that's yeah. true. I, I, I was just about to ask, you know, do we now, like, start throw away the old format and go on these odd numbers? But I think it's better to I try. Mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I struggle with the the rugby World Cup thing in all years sometimes, yeah. and like it's just it's just so, it's so weird. But um, yeah, so July, I think that was the hugest thing was the cancelling of the or the postponement of the Olympics, and then we move into August, and things did start getting a wee bit better. So the start of August was the World Snooker Championship, and Ronnie O'Sullivan wins his sixth world title, which is. Pretty phenomenal for him, and I know Ronnie O'Sullivan is also um, one of the nominees for the sports personality. Um, but yeah, so some yeah. some sort of sport and tournaments sort of coming yeah. back, I guess. I didn't realize it was that long ago. I, c- I couldn't remember when because you, f- you forget everything. So it's usually about April time the sugar, isn't it? But mm-hmm. again, I suppose those individual sports can maybe perform a bit better. When... Yeah, I definitely think. I mean, because. Like you talked about, like in July, then the Formula One started coming back, and then August the snooker, and obviously, um, you know, like the football, then it slowly started coming back as well. And I think August time was also sort of when, like, like amateur football clubs and stuff started to get back yeah. to training and stuff too. So there's yeah, like we mm-hmm. we were sorry. yeah we were training in like July, but league properly came back in August time, and it was yeah. just August was just the month for football. You know, we were back. Um, the Champions League, I really enjoyed the mini tournament they had, you know, all the semi-finals, one-legged games, and then into the final, it was like, the Champions League and the Europa League and the Women's Champions League, you know, all sandwiched in the, the space of three or four weeks. It was just great. There was a game on TV every day, and when there's nothing else for to do, it was, it was great. But yeah, I, I enjoyed, I prefer two-legged Champions League ties, but the one-legged was really good for the format that it was in. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. It was it, it was good to see, you know, like football seasons played out and finished and then starting up again almost um, as well because then you sort of move into September and, you know, it was back into another season of football. But, um, yeah, then as we go into September, <laughs> what actually did happen there? So we were talking about individual sports. I mean, Third of France um, – came back so obviously cycling is probably a bit more of an easier big tournament to host again because it's just individuals I mean it's sort of a team sport cycling but it's not hugely either it's not mm-hmm. contact um I think there was a Slovenian winner this year um it is it is weird to see Tour de France not won by um like British yeah. a British mm-hmm. cycler because for so long I mean British cycling and was has just dominated cycling in yeah, general, like Team Sky, like Chris Froome. He, and, yeah, um, of course. Get Geraint Thomas. I think because he won twenty nineteen. Geraint Thomas, I think, and yeah. Bradley Bradley Wiggins. Well, he, Bradley Wiggins has won. Chris Froome is the most biggest winner, I think. Yeah, I think Chris 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 Froome, if I could say his name, he's <laughs> definitely won it more times than Wiggins. I think yeah. as well. Um, I was I was talking, you know, I was thinking earlier, you know. Sometimes Chris Froome's like Tour de France victories were always more overshadowed because he was the second British yeah, person to do it. Yeah. you know, everyone will remember Bradley Wiggins because you know he was the first one to do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then uh, tennis as well also came back in September. So Wimbledon was cancelled before summer, but then post summer tennis was allowed to go ahead. Um, so the U.S. Open um, 
was in the first couple of weeks of September. Um, Nadal actually didn't compete, which is surprising because then he does compete next month. But um, which <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it was just you know the one after you know it's on the clay surface. That's the French Open, obviously. That's his bread and butter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I think I remember reading an interview. I think his preparation time and just training was really hampered by the whole pandemic yeah. and I just yeah. they didn't want to risk it and obviously the women's champion as well she didn't take part so you know it was a good opportunity for those who did go you know to win the mm-hmm. first yeah. Grand Slam uh-huh. yeah definitely because uh, the winner Dominic Thiem he he won his first Grand Slam mm-hmm. which was you know it was great for him and it I think it also is sort of in tennis you know is it about time we start seeing a new generation of tennis players coming up? Because for so long, Nadal, Djokovic, Federer, you know, even Murray, I know Murray's retired now, but, you know, them four have just dominated tennis. And, like, it's been, it's. I mean, it's been incredible tennis to watch, don't get me wrong. It's always been fiercely competitive. But, like, it's it's maybe you know these guys are getting a bit old you know yeah. you know yeah. they're gonna I shouldn't say they're getting past it because then we go into October and then the Dal wins you know another French Open I mean yeah. how many French Opens yeah. has that guy won like he's just yeah. he's just incredible but like it it is good to see more players coming up now you know yeah I think the Dal yeah I think he won his first name like eighteen so it's just incredible like that's surface I think it's probably his time. Speed is probably the main surface. I think it is. Yeah, I think he he's won. Isn't it thirteen now on clay in French Open Nadal, mm-hmm. which is like flipping impressive. And twentieth Grand Slam, I think that equals to Federer's as well. And I think yeah. I mean I remember the huge debate after Nadal won the French Open was you know who you know Federer versus Nadal, like who is the better player? And like yeah. it's so it's so hard to judge because I mean they both have. 20 grand slams they both have you know huge like tennis achievements but Nadal obviously has won so many on the clay and then yeah. Federer on the other hand has won more on different surfaces so yeah. um yeah it's like, it's, it's like Messi and Ronaldo like, who's really yeah. <laughs> it's 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 the big question in tennis I think as well but um yeah it's it's been interesting um we also saw, um, and so going into the French Open at the start of October, so Nadal obviously won um, his 13th Grand Slam, or, or sorry, 13th French Open, 20th Grand Slam, huge for him. And then uh, women's Polish player Swatek, I believe that's how you pronounce her name, uh, she wins the, the women's Grand Slam. And then going on, I mean, October, we definitely start to see the pickup of more events because then the Giro is played, or the Giro d'Italia, which... I feel like everyone knows sort of about the Giro d'Italia in Northern Ireland now just because of that one uh, stage that was played, that was raced here. You know, everyone sort of keeps a little bit of... I know, that was a good time. Yeah. My street just watching them went past you. But yeah, I mean, we were talking about British cycling not winning Tour de France, but they came back and um, Hart won uh, the Giro, which was impressive for him. And then just towards then the end of October, which was a great time for me because then rugby came back. Um, <laughs> and I know I talk about rugby forever in this show, but it's, <laughs> it's great. Um, Six Nations came back. I mean, unfortunately, 
uh, England did win um, after France beat Ireland. Um, but then there was also um, the Tri Nation series, which I had been thinking for so long. I was like, there must be, you know, a Six Nations equivalent for the mm-hmm. Southern Hemisphere because, yeah. you know, there's such great rugby teams down there, you know, that would um, have such a good tournament. And I actually figured out there is. It's called the Tri Nation series. It, it's sort of a bit of a you think tri-nations there's only three nations in it there's actually four so New Zealand <laughs> Australia Argentina and South Africa all play in in that tournament and well New Zealand won this year um, obviously but <laughs> it's, uh, it's it definitely I feel like it's uh, a mostly an all-black affair all the time but I think that tournament is something I wish that like you know would be played on you know BBC on yeah, RTVs yeah. you know because it would be such a, an incredible tournament I mean you've got you know, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, I mean, amazing, amazing yeah. rugby teams. But you could also add so much more. I mean, Japan are a brilliant team. You've got Fiji. I mean, Fiji played in the Autumn Nations there recently. Even Samoa, you know, like brilliant, brilliant teams down there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that was sort of like the end of October, but then went into November. Um, yeah. So November, obviously still a lot of rugby happening. Autumn Nations starts up here. Um which is obviously just ended at the weekend there. Um, you had the, the Masters Golf Tournament that happened um, in the middle of November. So yeah. that was good to see some golf coming back as well. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was like Peter Alice, the golf commentator, he died yesterday. He was commentating on it for BBC, but I think he was commentating from his own home, but it's, he's a sad loss to golf. But I'm trying to think, my head scratched for who won them. It was... Um, I forgot who Dustin, <laughs> no, Dustin, Dustin, Johnson. Dustin Johnson won the Masters yeah of course That's yeah, but one, of course. Re- this takes us up to when we were doing the show because he had that record it was one of our yeah. questions his record went <laughs> That's, of course it was one of our, our questions for I think it was the Frisbee the ultimate yeah, Frisbee yeah. when they were in yeah. um, we asked them what was the because Dustin Johnson set the record for the Masters and it was 20 under par in the end so he set a, a phenomenal record for um golf in november so i think november was um you know obviously we just came out of november but november october i guess you know was possibly you know sort of better months for sports this year i mean i know that a lot of like amateur sport and like grassroots football and what whatever else has been cancelled and stuff here but thankfully like you know the n executive and i know in many other countries allowed elite sport to continue and go ahead so it was good to see you know big tournaments and contact sport you know like as i said rugby you know being allowed to go ahead um so yeah november was um a great month as well for sport and also you know it's a great month for us at the sporting scoop as well you know <laughs> we had a, a good couple of shows in and, and some great guests um but yeah and then november also just finished off that month hamilton then he he won his world championship which was crazy i mean how does that man do it equaling schumacher's record he's also up again for bbc sports personality i think um, he's he's my favorite to win it as much as i'd love to see henderson <laughs> it's hard to look past him i i yeah. think i would have to agree with you um lauren because the natics in december i think december the biggest thing for me in december that happens is always bbc sports personality Um this year they've only released six um, nominees when normally it's 10 but obviously you can excuse them for the year that we've had <laughs> um so yeah i think hamilton he's 
a huge one that's up for it. I think I think my bets are on Hamilton to win it as well. Um, um as is some online vote, yeah. I'm uh, not yeah. gonna say <laughs> fans are normally quite good at manipulating <laughs> online votes. So, <laughs> so I've been waiting to pass them. Go, uh, goal of the season or whatever it could be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I'd say as well, just because obviously he was so influential in the players together campaign that they launched as well. You know, you have that to consider and just the leader he was on and off the pitch for Liverpool last year and this season as well. I think he has to be up there, but definitely Hamilton, Henderson, and I think Tyson Fury could yeah. also be in the reckoning. You know. but despite, he has come out and told his fans not to vote for him. I don't know, like because <laughs> <laughs> I think he's, he said he said he doesn't deserve any award. He doesn't want that. I just, I don't know whether people will follow suit or not. But that's a unique yeah. one. <laughs> I, I just I, how inspirational his story is, you yeah. know, from where he came from to now, battling mm-hmm. back, you know, from yeah. the hard years he had and the weight he's lost just to get back in the shape and the beat. Yeah. Wilders yeah. so comprehensively, he definitely can't be overlooked as well. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, I'm not going to lie, I'm sorry for any listeners who um, I might offend, but I, I don't know anything about like, cricket, but I know cricket, Sherp <laughs> uh, Broad is in there, and also Holly Doyle is the only woman in the mix, she's a jockey, and she she's done incredible things, she um, broke her own record this year, um, and I think it's it must be an intense world being a female jockey in in uh, horse racing, where it's mostly um, male jockeys, but um I do think, though, despite that, I mean, I also, Ron, Ronnie O'Sullivan's also in there for the, uh, in the mix because he won his sixth world title. But I, I um, thought it was mad that's the first time he's ever been nominated for yeah, it in his career. That's yeah. quite startling. It's, mm. always, it's, it's been roused about it, I think, before that it hasn't happened until now. But <laughs> yeah, know, he's such a, such a consistent performer, you know. Yeah. It's quite a shock, never yeah. before and I. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe it's just you know, this year because there's no other sport happening. Snoop has <laughs> finally been recognised. Um, although I do remember a, a darts player uh, winning Phil, second once. Yes, yeah, Phil Taylor Phil, won. Phil Taylor, yeah. You know, so I don't I'm know sure, why. I'm sure he's won. Yeah. He, he came, he won second, I think, one year. He didn't want, win the actual uh, first place award. But, um, yeah, so it's, I think it'll be an interesting uh, um awards evening to watch I mean I always love yeah. BBC Sports Press now I think it's a great like also you know if, if you're not like an our year in review you know, you'll definitely like the <laughs> yeah. BBC Sports Press yeah, one. Yeah. It's, it's always really good it's always very thorough and like you know obviously it go, it'll go through each of these nominees and what they've done but you've also got like team of the year coach of the year young player I think of the year and yeah, yeah. and um, I think um, I was reading Rashford's getting a special award in recognition mm-hmm. of what he's done so you'll have Obviously, a great bit about everything he's done. So yeah, it does exactly. look really good. Yeah. Yeah. No, it it looks great, and it'll also be a quiet one as well. I mean, obviously, there'll not be any audience there, and I assume people will have to, you know, lift their sports personality trophy in on mm-hmm. Zoom. Yeah. Is that, is that how it's gonna <laughs> I happen? Know. I because it was only a few years ago it was held in the SSE or the Odyssey. I've mm-hmm. been then like. So yeah, it's always a great. You always see those two things you forgot happened in the year, you know, like. Mm-hmm. And- Definitely, yeah. It's um, BBC Sports Personality is. I think it's. I think it's one of the best awards, uh, sports awards at the end of the year in in our neck of the woods, anyway. Um, but yeah, I think that pretty much then wraps up the year. I mean, obviously, 
there's still like sport going on. Football will still be happening as we always know. So we always chat about it. I mean, Boxing Day will be a huge day for football as always. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and yeah, that takes us up to the end of 2020. What a crazy year it's been. Um, <laughs> And it also takes us up to the end of our show. So uh, thanks to Daryl as well for joining us all the way from Canada, but also Lauren and Mark um, for joining me as well, chatting all things sport as always. Um, it's been a crazy year in 2020. It's been a crazy year here in the Sporty Scoop. And hopefully 2021 will look incredibly better. Um, but yeah, from all of us here, we wish all our listeners a very happy Christmas and and also a great uh, new year into 2021. That's all from the Sporty Scoop today. And we will see you guys next year. Bye-bye.